The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase your faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me? And dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, you, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, dear saints, I ask you, do you see yourself as a person of immense patience and empathy? Do you keep your cool when someone continues to irritate you and annoy you? Or do you find that you have a short fuse when it comes to certain people that you might have a tarnished history with? It's not easy for us to be patient with someone who continuously has a tendency to get under our skin. And it's even harder for us to keep forgiving someone who keeps on annoying us. We like to feel that there's a limit to what can be expected of us. And we learn today, however, that Jesus expects us to forgive repeat offenders seven times a day. And we all know how destructive a lack of forgiveness is to those nearest to us. Failure to forgive distances us from each other and it builds obstacles. And we can feel justified in withholding our forgiveness. 
And we like to think that our own hurt is exceptional. And it's greater than anyone else's. But we're all too quick to forgive or to excuse our own self. We find it far easier to criticize and to condemn than to pardon, to accept someone who has sinned against us. But love keeps no score. You see, love means having to say, I'm sorry. And the relationship is much more important than being right ever is. And this, it it contradicts every natural human tendency that we have. How can forgiveness become the bridge over troubled waters of our daily lives? How can we do something so difficult and yet so necessary? Friends, Jesus doesn't ask us to forgive others more than he has already forgiven us. To forgive is to offer release from our own guilt. To forgive makes new beginnings possible. Forgiveness is something that we should start every single day with. To build our relationships with each other and as Often, as somebody apologizes, we must forgive them promptly and completely. Prompt pardon prevents feelings of resentment or revenge from growing up inside of us. It considers a new future infinitely more important than the grudges that dwell up and and. Take that marred past and hold it. There's something miraculous about the way forgiveness reconciles that hopeless feeling that we have. And there's no wonder that it's been called the saving grace. Psychologists tell us, psychologists, they tell us that the experience of forgiving and accepting forgiveness is the prime characteristic of a happy and creative personality. Without the saving grace of forgiveness, injury gives rise to injury until revenge achieves its destructive aim. Forgiveness is more, much more than a form of charity. You see, its benefits, they extend both ways. It's beneficial to forgive and it's beneficial for us to be forgiven. It can be and and bring the best out of both of us and enhance each new day. A wise old lawyer, he once said, if I had it my way, I'd change the marriage vow this way. I'd make it read, love, honor, and forgive. He says it would be a healthy reminder of the power that could save many marriages. 
Forgiveness cannot undo what has already been done. Rather, it enables us to accept what has been done and to go on from there. It's through the forgiveness of our faults and failures that we gain the freedom to learn from our experiences. Unless you forgive, you cannot love properly. Discover again and again what a saving grace forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is a creative and it's an innovative act which introduces something new and unexpected into a tense and irritable situation. We forgive those nearest to us because we have no right to judge them. We have no right to judge them because we cannot see into their hearts. You see, pardon doesn't excuse sin and evil. No, it overcomes it. Forgiveness gives the power to love again with a stronger and deeper form of love. Forgiveness is Christ-like action that liberates us from our anger. And forgiveness refuses to let past injuries stand in the way of our fresh starts. Faith can quickly be weakened by a failure to forgive. Now, Jesus' listeners, they realize this all too well. They, They feel constant forgiveness would require far more faith than they ever have. And they ask that question, increase our faith? Recognizing their need for resources far beyond their human abilities. And Jesus, he points out that it is not a matter of the size of our faith in God, but rather the right kind of faith. The amount of trust that we have is of less significance than its authenticity. Genuine faith can bring about unexpected things. A little bit of faith, a mustard seed of faith is so much. And when it is centered on God and his promises, it is so much more. Faith is powerful when it is trusted in God's ability to bring about what's humanly impossible. When it is rarely fed on God's word, our faith can achieve amazing things. And Jesus, he reinforces faith's power when he reassures us that it's not the power of believing, but rather the power of God whom we believe in that does amazing things. Faith is God-given, God-connectedness that can move mountains and more, so much more. Because God is our refuge and he's our strength. We will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Psalm 46, verse 1. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith in Jesus, the Son of God.
You see, size and growth are the most characteristic features of that mustard seed. And I ask you, is your faith growing? Faith, it grows and it matures by getting to know Jesus better. And we get to know our Lord better through the study of his word, through worship and through prayer. It is only a faith that is nurtured and nourished every single day that empowers us to keep forgiving those who constantly tempt us. Faith can do too many things for us to ever take it for granted. And amazing things happen when God occupies first place, the central place in our own daily lives. And our modern busyness can leave little room for faith to be fed. Our faith is too precious and too great in consequence to not feature on the top of all of our priorities. Faith's value lies in the wonderful way it links us to our almighty God day by day. If we want to know if our faith is genuine, we must ask ourselves, how are we living? Ask yourself this. If, if I was to be arrested this day for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? What difference does faith make in our daily lives? Is it a matter of life and death for us? Is it that important? The novelist Charles Kingsley, he spoke for countless Christians when he said this, I do not want merely to possess a faith. I want a faith that possesses me. A faith that overwhelms me with the love and mercy of Jesus. Isn't that great? And I warn you here, dear Christians. Be careful of your own witness. Because you will be the only translation of the Bible that some people will ever read. Think about that. We want a faith that brings benefits to others and not just to ourselves. Those who think that they are strong in their faith, they stand in danger of boasting their mighty achievements. In Matthew seven twenty two and 23, it says this, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, the servant that we talked about in today's gospel could not expect any special form of treatment for simply doing his daily duty. A mid-afternoon meal is being referred to, which was part of this servant's duties. Servants employed back then enjoyed security and labored out of the sense of loyalty to their masters. 
It was in their master's interest interest to care for them and give them a home and clothing, but not to wait on or to serve them. There was nothing especially merit worthy in the servants doing what was expected of them. Discharge of one's duty doesn't deserve any special rewards. You see, Christianity isn't some happiness cult or entertainment enterprise. It involves letting Jesus serve us with his word and with his sacraments so that we are equipped and empowered to serve him each and every day, every single day of our lives. And Jesus, he did something unique and and unheard of. He came not to be served, but to serve us and give his life for us, for you. He was the only master to wash dirty feet and call his servants his friends. Masters never ate with their servants. Jesus, he wants to be present at our eating together. He treats each of us all of us so much better than we deserve. Thank God that his giving to us isn't proportional to our service to him. Jesus, he hasn't stopped giving his gifts to us. No, all of our work is but a gathering up of the gifts of God. Our strength, our Time and our talents are gifts from God. Love knows its duty is never done. Love doesn't serve only for the sake of reward. Love's only reward is the privilege to serve without counting the cost. Love always does more than is necessary. Love, it delights to go the extra mile for our Lord. And it is when we attempt things beyond our duty, beyond our own ability, that we discover our Lord's power and strength and see how abundantly he provides for us. He is worthy of our very best and not just our leftover time and energy. King David, he said this, I will not offer God something that costs me nothing. Such a spirit is free of calculation. It refuses to give only as much as it gets out of something. Instead, it delights in being generous and helpful. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died and he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Serving our Lord makes life meaningful because in the Lord, our labor is never in vain, but will 
initiate results that will last forever. We serve looking forward to that amazing day when in heaven, Jesus will come and serve us and meet our every need. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and he will wait on them. Luke 12, 37. Even in heaven, the Lord of all will be servant of all. When this brief life of service is over, our Savior's eternal serving of us will commence. What amazing honor that will be. (laughs) Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.